I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Rob Martins at Allegiant. Rob is the president of Allegiant Ventures, head of external partnerships and collaboration, and the global futurist for Allegiant. Recently, he was named by Inc. Magazine as one of the 20 influencers who will lead the Internet of Things and recognized by Accenture and Forbes as one of the 40 IoT leaders you've got to follow on social media. In this episode, Rob and I talk a lot about the three megatrends impacting how brands are going to engage with consumers on mobile, how a simple game like Pokemon Go really made augmented reality feel possible for so many brands, and why mobile is so much more than just your smartphone. And make sure you stick around to the end, where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Rob. So you've been at Allegiant for almost five years now and spent most of your career in technology. Can you take me back to how you first got started in the tech space? Sure. Well, that's a long way back. But uh, my father is a research scientist and a teacher at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He is an oceanographer and a marine geochemist. So my first deep exposures to technology were in oceanography labs, so both uh, chemical and physical oceanography. In physical oceanography, you're mapping the sea currents and sometimes the sea floor, amongst other things, and there's a lot of heavy math involved. So my first exposure to technology were actually uh, Unix operating systems um, in that environment. So an exciting place to get started. And for those of you who know Unix, at times a painful way to get started. If you think about your career, how have you seen business change from a technology perspective since you started? Well, access changes everything. And I think what's fascinating is the level of accessibility that the Internet, you know, followed by the cloud and, you know, accessibility and all the other elements have contributed to people who may know absolutely nothing about the technology that they're using, but the interfaces are so intuitive that now anyone can contribute in a significant way, regardless of the level of detail of their technical skill set. I think that's a really great point that a lot of people don't think about is we've really made technology easier for people to consume over the last, especially 10 years. And I think that's even going to get more digestible over the next five to 10 years in the future. So when you think about looking at trends, and I know that's one of the things that you do as, as the futurist for Allegiant, What are the biggest tech trends you see today that are influencing how brands engage with consumers on a mobile device? Well, gosh, you know, Stephanie, there's so many different megatrends. So maybe I'll give you a couple specific ones and we can break out from there. When you're talking, for example, about mobility, it's that. It's everything mobile. Um, When you look at, for example, companies like Flipkart in India, the actual application itself isn't even available in a desktop form. It was built from the ground up for a mobile user. When you look at trends that are impacting technology going forward, many of them are based on connecting things that historically haven't been connected, such as the IoT. And there's some serious megatrends at work there. Um, You know, sensors are more available and less expensive than they've ever been. And you can see that trending, you know, down in terms of their cost. All of the data that those sensors generate is less expensive to transition through the pipes, if you will, than it has ever been before. And that trend is continuing down. And then the actual tools that are 
used historically to make dirty data into usable, clean, uh, viable information for people to use, those tools are more accessible and less expensive than they've ever been. So those three megatrends alone, uh, along with mobility, are driving a whole new generation of IoT solutions, even past what we started with just a couple of years ago. So when you mentioned some of the new techs, like in IoT, how do you think about evaluating what new technology companies should pay attention to? Like what's here to stay? What's going to change? How do we know mobility and mobile everything is really the way the world is going to go and there's not something after that? Well, I think just like in a traditional business and in the business that I work for, Allegion, we, we manufacture largely door hardware. And it's difficult as a creator brand at times to avoid innovators dilemma. You know, and part of that is looking at something and saying, well, that's not what it should be. It's actually this. Well, it's the same challenge with technology. We need to focus not on the product itself or the technology for technology's sake. It's about what's the job to be done? What is the actual implementation of the technology? And when you take that frame of more of what's the job we're trying to get done, whether it's with a physical object or code or a particular technology, that's when you identify real opportunities for growth and change. And so when we are evaluating technologies as a team here at Allegion and myself personally, I try to take a, a, a firm look at how intuitive is it? What's the user experience and user interface? And how accessible is that to a broader community or the demographic that I believe has that job that they want to get done? So when you're thinking about that, are you thinking about that from, you know, how usable that tech is from your internal like IT organization, how usable it is from the business or is it the end consumer or a combination of all three? I think it's a combination of all three. I think at the end of the day, a smart company focuses on their customers, but there are also the elements of productivity over time. And obviously the less onerous a technology is, we already mentioned Unix, uh, <laughs> earlier, um, the, the easier it is for people to um, build on rather than focusing on maintaining their platform. And so I think that's another concept that's important for people and, and people that are serving customers with technologies to understand, you know, the cost of their platforms, the manageability of their platforms and how those platforms ultimately manifest themselves in the UI and UX for their for their end users. Great platforms are highly transparent, and they're things that the consumer doesn't really notice. We've already talked about how IoT is a big area of interest for you. Can you talk to me a little bit about what impact you think IoT is going to have on business? Well, I think that IoT is going to have a massive impact on business. I mean, if you look at it just from a total number, I don't care whether you, you know, you can get a variety of numbers from a variety of different sources. Some people will say it's in the tens of billions, some will say it's more. But I think it's fair to say that the vast majority of devices that we look at today that are dumb devices or not connected devices are likely going to be connected. And the rationale for that is, is one, it's really inexpensive to do and becoming less expensive by the day. And two, most importantly, there's really important data that those things are setting off. So, for example, in my business, uh, we one of our product sets that we make are, are door locks. And so what's really interesting and, and part of the reason why my job is so fulfilling when it comes to the technology pieces is 
typically when you're going to launch a recipe or a routine or what the, those of us who are more dated in age would call a workflow, a lot of those workflows, recipes, routines, robots, what have you, actually start at the door. So in other words, you know, some people are familiar with Ift or Yanomi or a number of other platforms that do home automation. That same type of automation is working its way from kind of a single family home focus in our case into multifamily and then into non-residential applications such as healthcare or K through 12 schools or higher education. And those routines or recipes aren't just because they're the cool factor. Rob walks in and, you know, the door recognizes it's him. So Sonos plays the music he wants and turns on lights. That's all well and good. But it can also generate large amounts of productivity for smart buildings, for smart processes that save people time and money and contribute to, in our case, uh, more seamless access and a little bit more peace of mind for people. In some cases, that's in the form of simple notifications, letting you know that, for example, a loved one in an elder care facility um, has gotten up and had their coffee that morning, so you're not invading with phone calls or you know, double checking, um, and so they maintain some, some privacy, but at the same time, you still have that peace of mind. Or again, it can be something as simple as productivity. This device is not behaving as designed prior to it breaking, let's send somebody out there to uh, check it out and make sure that it's um, going to be working 100% of the time. So one of the things that you mentioned was home automation. And I think in the last decade, we've really seen this idea of the smart home be, to some extent, right, an idea that you saw in movies and now really come into fruition. What do you think has really driven that change? Well, I think it's all about accessibility of the technology. And so those mega trends that we talked about before, you know, affordability is a big deal. There's so many ways for people to get started in a smart home. I get the question all the time from people who are a little bit intimidated um, at introducing technology um, in, into their home. They're worried about, you know, privacy, security, and all things that they should be worried about. But a really simple way to get started is, is even a connected uh, plug. So you can plug in a lamp, you could plug in any number of things. In most cases, these could be voice controlled or uh, remotely controlled from a mobile device, any, any number of things. So it's all about accessibility. And so cost is one factor. The other is, is not everybody likes to use a smartphone. As many of us are you know, from a generation where we're very familiar with that, and that's our most comfortable piece. There are other people who, for example, prefer to control things by voice command. That is their preferred method of control. And all of those technologies are starting to converge now. So your ability to interact with technology, um, even in a biometric sense, is far different than it was five years ago. Well, that's why I think you're going to start to see, right, this kind of for, come to fruition of like a multi-experience platform. We're going to talk about mobile and voice and chatbots and AR and VR, and it's all going to be different ways that we communicate with someone. When we talk about augmented reality or, or virtual reality, I think a lot of people were skeptical about adoption. And what was interesting was, you know, it comes down to a, a simple game that was put out into the, you know, the, the common space in Pokemon Go. And, you know, this is a simple 
um, and some people would say not so simple, augmented reality tool that was given to a group of people primarily focused on, on kids. But I don't know about you, but what I noticed was you would see grandparents and their grandkids walking through parking lots and doing other things out on this adventure together. And it broke a lot of paradigms in terms of how technologists thought about who would adopt this next generation technology and how. And when you think about augmented reality, the ability to hold you know, a camera, a real-time portal up to discern digital information off of existing you know, objects in, in your view is a really intuitive way to do it. I want to know, for example, is there power running to that socket that I'm about to touch to be able to hold your phone up and point it at that and have that socket say, I'm on, I'm live is a lot better than taking the shock. It's also really interesting. So when you're you know, visiting, uh, let's say you were going for a job interview or dropping off a package or something else to arrive at a facility that you've never uh, been to before and via you know, an augmented reality experience, be shepherded to the right location without having to ask a bunch of questions or interrupt people or feel out of place is of great benefit to many people. So when you're talking to other companies and thinking about IoT strategy, what do you recommend people do to start really taking advantage of IoT? Don't be smitten with technology for technology's sake. That would be number one. It is just a tool. And it's what's important is how you implement the tool. Now, that being said, there are some very specific things associated with IoT that can't be taken for granted. I think that security, um, you know, the joke over time, which isn't very funny really, but is, you know, there is no S in IoT, right? There is, there is no security in IoT. So one of the things you have to be aware of is who you integrate with and how you integrate with matters. So I think that picking your uh, and, and selecting your uh, partners and if you're a consumer, your uh, brands carefully is important. I think you want to look for a couple of things. If you have a connected device, um, you have to ask yourself this question. If this device was a phone or a laptop or a tablet, would I ever buy one that would not allow for me to take an over-the-air update? Probably not. Um, So security is paramount. And when you buy a a device, for example, from one of our brands like a Schlage or, or something like that, That device is as dumb as it's ever going to be on the first day that you plug it in. And so in addition to adding, you know, security and and making changes as things go, um, not unlike you would with, you know, virus protection software, we also like to add value. So we want to add incremental value to the consumer's experience. That could be new integrations. uh, That could be new features and functions. And so that's another thing that both end users and manufacturers um, and and service providers should keep in mind, should always give yourself enough space to to grow within that footprint. And so um, long gone are the days where you put in the minimum amount of memory, minimum amount of processing power, minimum amount of other things, because you're going to want that flexibility as long as you can. And of course, Um, depending on whether you have a modular design or not, the technology, the infrastructure, you know, within the device may only last for some period of time, but you want to stretch that as far as you possibly can. 
So if you think about the brands that you've seen and that you've explored, like who is doing IoT well from a consumer perspective? Well, I'm biased, of course. I like to think that Schlage's doing IoT very well. But I would say that there's a number of people that are doing IoT extremely well. I think if you look at uh, companies like Chamberlain and Residio and Lutron and Whirlpool, and like I said, a, a Schlage, these are companies that are truly experienced manufacturers. That So, you know, the core elements of the product are strong and highly capable, but they're also building with security in mind and extensibility in mind. So I think you want to have that balance. I think the other thing to keep in mind if you're a consumer is, you know, some of these are, have subscription, you know, elements to them. And how beneficial are those subscriptions to you or not? And in our case at, at Schlage, we don't actually charge subscriptions for a product. Um, part of that is because we have a strong legacy mechanical base that allows for us to uh, supplement um, some of our other offerings, whereas a startup that may not have um, as much to draw upon doesn't have that luxury. So we can add more features and capabilities than some other people might. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think it's about dependability. And I think it's about an ability to have something that's more than a gadget. These IoT devices and the manufacturers I just named, these are people that are making products that you need to trust. You know, you want to have a thermostat that works all the time. You want to have a lock that works all the time. You want to have a garage door opener that works all the time. You know, lighting, I could go on and on and on. And so we've moved from more of a kind of what I would call gadget mentality, which is, hey, let's look to see what we can connect to the internet and remotely control to more of a mentality of how you manage um, and implement the technology is far more important than necessarily its ability to simply connect. So I'm glad you brought up subscriptions because I think that's an interesting thing that we're going to see over the next couple of years as more companies get in the IoT space and they're trying to figure out how to monetize the investment for it. Do you think, you know, if you look in your crystal ball, that consumers are going to expect to have a subscription offering for a lot of their connected products? Or is our expectation as consumers going to be that it's just included? I, I think it's going to be a combination. I think consumers are going to have a series of opportunities to choose whether they want to have things as a service or whether they want to own the asset um, itself. And so I think, uh, you know, the cost is the cost, and it's more of a question of how you want to pay for it. So for people that are less familiar, they might not understand that every time that a message is sent, you know, in our case, back and forth from a lock, there's a very small, you know, sub penny um, cost for those. But when you add them up, you know, over the millions of messages, those do add up. And depending on the type of company and your, and your business model, um, you're going to try and recover those costs in some way, shape, or form. So all these things do have a price. But I think, uh, for example, everyone's mentality is changing about transportation, for example. You know, do I want to own a car or do I want to move more into that sharing economy mode of it? And again, depending on what the object is and kind of how much of a capital outlay it is, I think we're going to see a variety of models come forward. But it's going to be great because it's going to be based on choice. You're going to have the option as to whether you want, uh, for example, 
um, access as a service in your commercial building. Or no, I look at that as a capital expenditure and I would much rather pay one time for that and then manage those um, messaging costs myself. No, I think that's a great point. I think consumers will love the ability to be able to really choose what works best for them at that point in time with whatever brand they're looking at. So I know we talked a little bit ago about augmented reality and seem very excited about what's possible with it and the brands that are already using it. So can you tell me a little bit about what you think the future holds for how brands will use AR to really develop relationships with consumers, but also help at the end of the day, sell product or services? Well, I I do think AR is an incredibly powerful technology to actually be able to put a digital lens over the lens that we already have is extremely powerful. So obviously there's the promotion uh, capabilities, which people have a tendency to focus on quite a bit. In other words, hey, I'm you know looking for the nearest Starbucks. Let me hold up my phone and do kind of a 360 here, and it will point out where the closest one is. That's a convenience factor, but that's promotional. I think AR also has the you know possibility to do other things for you. So again, um, to give you certain warnings, you know whether those are health warnings, whether those are product you know, warnings, you know, it could be, you know, my, my refrigerator is, is getting ready to have some type of challenge. My car has got some kind of leak or, or some, some other element, but first and foremost, the interesting thing about augmented reality is, is most of us are carrying that lens in our pocket today. Um, It's in the form of that smartphone that has that camera and it's easily accessible it doesn't mean you have to be highly technical in order to use it. And the capabilities that it provides um, are almost unlimited. There's a limitation in terms of, obviously, those who don't carry a a mobile device um, with them that's connected to the internet. But more and more, those um, circumstances are, are kind of changing. The, the mobile devices are coming in many new form factors, whether it's your watch or you know, s- something else. So I think AR will continue to climb. And I think as people become more familiar with it and more comfortable with it, um, it'll be a significant form um, in, in UI, UX for search and uh, all kinds of other interesting parameter. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we do with AR you know, as we mentioned, like once 5G gets here and we really start thinking about how we can use it in completely creative ways that are different than just how will this piece of furniture look in my home or something like that. I love that example that you gave. I think that we're only scratching the surface. I mean, right now we use AR more for a, you know, kind of a wow factor, but the practical implications of a technology like that are absolutely huge you know, reading well within things, you know, being able to point your lens at something and get an immediate status, or in our case, being able to see who has recently, you know, accessed a door, like within the last three or four minutes, who was most recently in here? Is there someone in here now, et cetera, et cetera. So all kinds of very practical applications. So as the futurist at Allegion, I'm really excited to ask you, where do you think the future of mobile is headed? I think it's all about, I'm going to use this word again, accessibility. 
I think that the future of all these pieces has to do with ease of use and accessibility. When you start talking about these divergent populations of us, some of whom are are comfortable with mobile phones, some of us are not, some of us love voice assistance, some don't. When you have children like mine who walk up to any television set and immediately stick their fingers on the screen, and if it's not a touch-sensitive device, think it's broken. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> I think the other trend uh, that's going to hit us you know, very hard very quickly is how do I, as an individual, have control over my own private information, understanding that mobility is typically the way that that information is being shared, whether it's where I am at any given point in time, um, how I'm transacting with other people and other things. All of those elements are, are coming together and crashing together very quickly. So there's a, a, a lot at work. Um, some is legislation-based and, and could be if, if we have um, negative experiences and others could be um, heightened acceleration as people become more and more excited about things like AR, VR, remote piloting, autonomy uh, in forms, you know, various forms, all kinds of vehicles, um, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I think to your point around data privacy, one of the things that we're going to need to do as business leaders, right, is not all this is going to be figured out and there's not going to be legislature, you know, that exists for a lot of these things. And so how do we start to do what's right for consumers and, you know, putting those efforts forward so that we don't have to have, you know, privileges or legislation that helps restrict it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. And I think you're starting to see evidence of it already. We, we jokingly kind of refer to it as having the adults in the room, you know. In the I love that. Pure, yeah, the pure IoT space, it's the adults in the room are people who've manufactured for years. And you understand, for example, I'll give you a, a tangible example, is um, in a routine or a recipe associated with a garage door, if you have an alarm that indicates that there is smoke and perhaps a fire in the home, the absolute last thing that you want to happen is to have that garage door open. And the reason why is you don't want a rush of oxygen in and by virtue of that, a fireball. Well, what's interesting is, is you know, a lot of tech companies who don't necessarily have any footing within, you know, a life safety device, whether it's a lock or a garage door or something like that, they might not even think of those things as being life safety devices could inadvertently put somebody at risk. And I think historically our fear has been someone will come in and make a big mistake, a mistake so large that people say, well, I don't ever want to even consider connecting that. And so I think when the adults enter the room, companies like Allegiant, you know, the ones I mentioned, uh, you know, Residio, you know, formerly Honeywell, Lutron Chamberlain, all these kind of guys, you can have some more comfort that these are people that have been working in this space for quite some time. And they understand not only the technology, but most importantly, how to implement the technology responsibly. And I think that that's where we've gotten into trouble with companies like Facebook and other folks where there's some real questions as to, you know, are we rushing to market? Do we understand the implications of distributing this technology? Um, and, and, you know, sadly, in certain cases, we have not. And to your point, hopefully we won't see the type of regulatory pressures that um, diminish innovation in the space 
but the onus is upon uh, experienced companies to implement responsibly. I think that's a great point. With great technology comes great promise, but also great really ownership of doing the right thing right from the beginning. Yep. What is it? It was that Spider-Man's dad that told him that it's uh, yep. with, with, with great abilities come great responsibilities. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking when you were talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm glad you got the reference. As his title indicates, Rob is definitely a futurist. He's well-versed in what's happening in the industry today, but he also can see a vision of where we're headed and what we need to do from a business perspective to actually get there. A great example was the discussion we had on how we need to rethink data privacy with all these advancements in technology that have ultimately led Rob and I to a Spider-Man reference of all things. And he's right. We've got to start thinking differently today about how we're going to use the data that we collect from consumers and their devices, especially their connected ones, how we're going to store that data, how we're going to use it, and so forth. And we need to make the right decision the first time to ensure we're keeping their trust. Now, let's get to my favorite part of the show where we'll take the education and apply it to your business. There's so many great insights from my conversation with Rob that can really help transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, the internet of things is going to have a massive impact on business. I know it's been a buzzword for a long time, but as Rob mentioned, there are brands successfully out there using IoT today, and it's only going to grow due to accessibility. Think about that for a second. The cost of technology has come down so much over the years that it's now possible to include sensors in any number of applicable products. And the cost to transfer the data from the sensor to the cloud is extremely low. It's no longer cost prohibitive. And accessibility is the driving reason why more companies and consumers are being able to engage with IoT experiences. So what does that mean for all of us? Well, if you're going to embark on the world of IoT and connected products, and it seems like everyone is trying to these days, you've got to start thinking about what job you're trying to accomplish with it. Sometimes we tend to latch onto technology, especially all the ones that are tied to buzzwords, and we don't truly think through what we want to accomplish with that technology. And I think this is really a smart point that Rob made. What job are we trying to get done? How easy is it going to be to get that job done using the interface we've built for consumers? A number of connected products today use the mobile device, specifically the smartphone, as their front end to engage with the product, such as unlocking my front door when I'm not home and my mom's arrived 20 minutes early, putting the dryer on wrinkle release because I've forgotten to take the clothes out again. And, you know, that never, ever, ever happens to me. That's why it's crucial that we are clearly identifying the task we're trying to accomplish and thinking through how to present that visually to consumers in the most intuitive way possible. And that means it cannot require a tutorial to understand it, everyone. I can't stress that enough. The importance of bringing the user experience is so vital to how you think about bringing your connective product to life on mobile. This means you need to constantly engage with your users for feedback, both during initial design and afterwards. So it shouldn't be... I engage them in the beginning and then I never talk to them again. You need to be continually looking at user analytics for how they're actually using the experience, how they're controlling their connected product, how you're conducting focus groups to watch them use it in person and asking them for feedback, as well as testing out changes to determine the effectiveness before you roll it out to everyone. And then you need to make sure you're constantly including incremental value to the consumer experience and giving yourself enough space to allow it to grow. That's what I love to say, don't wait to launch a mobile experience until it's perfect and has everything in it. 
First of all, that'll never happen, but launch it once it has enough functionality to be valuable and then continually add to it. This is why people will keep coming back to your mobile experience. Next, it's time to stop thinking about AR only as a wow factor. Most of the uses for AR today tend to be really flashy and promotional driven. A great example is 19 Crimes. They're a wine brand if you're not familiar with them. They have a branded AR experience that's really designed to drive more people to purchase their wine. And don't get me wrong, you guys, it is absolutely brilliant. But AR is possible of so much more. We need to start thinking about AR as our new digital lens and using that to make our lives easier. I really related to Rob's examples earlier, where he talked about using AR in your digital lens to determine whether or not there's power to a life socket before you ever try to work on it. Or being able to use AR to experience what it's like inside a building you're going to go interview for a new job. AR is easily accessible now, and most AR experiences don't require any technical capabilities to really use them from a consumer perspective, which means it's really accessible to anyone with a smartphone. And we have the opportunity as marketers to take AR to the next level by creating experiences that are outside the norm for what brands are doing with AR today. As I mentioned, 19 Crimes and what they did with AR on wine bottles was brilliant when it first came out. Now it's become the norm in the beverage industry. What can you now do from an AR perspective that no one else is doing? And how can you use that to drive value for your company? Finally, we need, need, need everyone to stop thinking about mobile as only the smartphone. It's really any device that you can take with you. That's a smartphone, a tablet, a watch, a Fitbit, the list goes on and on. And with each new form factor is going to come challenges that make us think about what content's accessible on that device. How are we going to adopt to that device from a form factor standpoint? Because let me tell you, consumers are going to try to use them to access your content, whether or not you've thought about it. So you need to start thinking about mobile as any device that can move around. And the future is going to be full of them, including ones we haven't even imagined yet. Now, here's my mobile marketing challenge for the week. Most of us have given a ton of thought to our data privacy policies this year due to GDPR, and hopefully some of you have started to consider what the implications for the California Consumer Privacy Act will have on your business. But how much time are you spending thinking about new technologies that are going to impact the data you start to collect, how you handle that data, and what you're going to do with it? Why are we waiting for regulations from lawmakers to tell us what to do? Why aren't we making good choices on our own, especially when it comes to new technology? Let's set the bar higher this time. I encourage all of you to meet with your legal teams and start proactively discussing how you're going to start thinking about new data from some of these new technologies we've been discussing today. Obviously, that needs to line up with any existing regulations, but most of the time you're going to find that regulations don't exist for some of this stuff. It takes a long time to put regulations in place. So you have the opportunity to set the right standard from the beginning. I know as a consumer, I would love to see companies take a more consumer-focused approach to data privacy policies and be super upfront about it. Almost make it a point of pride and differentiation. So start those conversations today. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Limivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.